Hello and welcome back to WHRW Binghamton. This is the Center for Civic Engagement radio show. Um, I'm happy to have you with us on this Monday afternoon. I'm very luckily, lucky to have with me uh, two members of the City Year team, uh, Nate Trifison and Mary Billington. Can you guys hear me? We can. We can. Great, great. Thanks, uh, thanks for joining me today. So uh, we'll start off by just... Uh, Tell us about yourself, your professional experience, and where you're from, and your education, and any other details you love letting us know about. Sure. Um, so this is Mary. Uh, I am actually from New York. I uh, grew up in New York City, and um, then went went to college in New York as well. I went to Barnard College, um, and then went got my master's in education policy from Harvard, um, and then after grad school, moved down to D.C., uh, and worked for the Senate Education Committee for a little while. Um, and then recently, about a year and a half ago, joined the team at City Year um, in their public policy department, um, focusing both on public policy initi- initiatives that are City Year specific, a lot of congressional relations, um, but also helping out with our advocacy coalition, which relates a lot more to Nate's work. So, Nate, you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, uh, my name is Nate, and I'm uh, originally from Westchester, right outside of New York City. Um, and I spent college uh, right near you, Austin, in Ithaca, New York, uh, studying at Cornell University. Um, after graduating, I actually stayed in the area um, and worked on a congressional campaign as the communications director. Uh, from there, uh, I moved down to here in Washington, D.C., joining the city year team, and have been working here for over a year and a half. Um, I'm in a role that is kind of a joint role between city year and our advocacy coalition called Voices for National Service, uh, mostly focusing on field mobilization, online and digital strategy, event planning, and Capitol Hill outreach. Very nice. So tell us, uh, Basic, uh, what is City Year exactly? Either of you, of course, can answer these questions. Sure. Um, So City Year is, um, well, first off, it's an AmeriCorps program. Um, I'm not sure how familiar your listeners are with AmeriCorps, but AmeriCorps is um, a federal grant program that provides grants to nonprofit organizations and public agencies uh, to engage young Americans in intensive service opportunities um, that usually go for a year or two in length. Um, and so City Year uses that model as one of, is one of those organizations. Um, some others you may have heard of are Teach for America, Habitat for Humanity, the American Red Cross, and thousands of others across the country. Um, So City Year is an AmeriCorps program that is focused on addressing the national dropout crisis. Uh, We know that um, about a a million students drop out of high school each year. And the the more interesting thing there is that actually about half of those dropouts come from only 12% of schools. And so what that means is that the high school dropout crisis is actually quite concentrated. Um, and so City Year tries to focus its energies on addressing those lowest performing schools, the schools that are generating the most dropouts, um, and really give them an infusion of human capital so how to do you... help them meet individual student needs. And so across the country, we have about 2,800 City Year AmeriCorps members serving at about 260 schools, working as tutors, mentors, and role models to students who um, are identified as being off track to graduation so that we can help really kind of get them reengaged in school, excited about learning, performing better, 
um, and get them back on track to graduation. So how do you target, you mentioned that uh, half of the uh, graduates or half of the students who fail to graduate come from about 12% of the schools. How do you target those 12% of schools? Yeah, so we actually um, have, we, we serve students in about third through ninth grade. Um, so that's an interesting question because we're not just working in high schools, right? And so we um, identified uh, feeder patterns. Um, so we work in some of the high schools that are generating more dropouts, um, often referred to as dropout factories. Um, and then also identify the middle school and elementary schools that are feeding students into those high schools. Um, and so if we know that a large proportion of students from a particular middle school go into a high school and then are likely to drop out, um, we also partner with that middle school and work to, to kind of work with these students students earlier on so we can address their needs as soon as possible. And how many years has City Year been around for? Um, we just celebrated our uh, 25th anniversary wow. um, last year, uh, so about 26, 25 and a half, something like that. So y you said you met, uh, City Year has been around for 25 years. Happy anniversary. Mm -hmm. um, is you. that, what is that, Diamond or what's the uh, 25th anniversary? You know, I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> We're going to call it the red and gold anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what kind of results has City Year been able to achieve in those 25 years? Because obviously still um, dropout um, rates are still an issue in the United States. What kind of results has it been able to achieve in the districts that it's located in? Yeah, well, um, so actually City Year's kind of model has evolved over the years. Um, and it started out as just a, a more general service organization um, focused on a lot of different issues, and only in City Year's kind of more recent history have we really found that education is our niche, and really that's where our AmeriCorps members are can be most leveraged and most useful. And so really kind of focusing all of our energy on that has been just the last couple of years. Um, that being said, City Year was really proud to, to join with the nation celebrating an exciting um, accomplishment this past year. Uh, last year, the national graduation rate, um, for the first time in history, reached 80%. Wow. Um, and and that, that's huge <laughs> and, and reflects a lot of work by a lot of people. Um, and, and City Year was proud to be a part of that, um, along with our partners in the education space and the nonprofit space and the private sector as well. Um, to really kind of mark that milestone. We still have a long way to go. To go. We have the goal of reaching 90% by wow. 2020 um, is a goal that the Obama administration is behind as well. Um, so we know there's a lot of work still to be done, um, but looking at, you know, high school graduation as an important milestone and, you know, offering that opportunity to as many students as we can, like that, that's our, our moonshot right there. Um, and so that's our big goal. And, we, we've made some progress to that, and so we're excited to um, celebrate that, but also, you know, not stop for a second and keep going until we get even further along. So City Year is uh, located, as you said, in about 260 schools uh, spread out through a variety of cities from New York City to Dallas to Denver to Los Angeles, I'm sure. Uh, is each city that you're in the same? Is it the same priorities? Is it the same um, techniques? Or does it vary significantly um, just by each different city, or does it vary even down to each district? 
or each school? Um, so our model, um, you know, the ideal of our model remains consistent um, from site to site. Um, but obviously what we're doing is um, applying our tools in the way that they need to be applied, like down to the school and down to the student level. Right, so we operate in 25 cities across the United States um, and have plans to operate in even more. Uh, but really what happens in each school is determined by what's going on with the students, right? So we have a very data-driven model um, where our AmeriCorps members are working with teachers and school leaders to track student data and see what's going on with the students and who needs help and who needs help now and who needs help next week and who needs help next month. Um, and, and to really kind of track that constantly um, and make decisions, make um, instructional decisions dependent on that data. Um, and so, so in some ways, you know, we do have a model that is, is a broad idea, a general goal, um, but what that looks like in each school really depends on what's going on with the students. So you talked, you both are up in the public policy department at City Year. What is City Year's impact on public policy? It seems like every every time there's a president elected, they kind of come in with a new um, education platform and then, um, you know, they pursue it and then the next president comes in. What what role does City Year play in the education policy debate uh, overall? Yeah, um, so we definitely uh, think a lot about public policy. Nate and I are um, in the public policy department, which is a small but mighty department here. Um, <laughs> but we also, um, in addition to our education policy priorities, um, also focus a lot on um, what's called national service policy, which mm -hmm. is, is more focused on the AmeriCorps um, programmatic side. And so um, in that space, City Year has been, um, has, a, has a strong legacy of being influential. Um, City Year actually predates AmeriCorps, like we talked about. City Year is 25 years old. AmeriCorps just celebrated its 20th anniversary. Um, and in some ways, City Year was is kind of the inspiration um, or the model for AmeriCorps. Interesting. Uh, yeah, President Clinton, or then Governor Clinton, came and visited City Year um, when he was campaigning and really completely recognized the power of young people um, and the impact we could have on national challenges through mobilized citizen service and worked with City Year and, and developed AmeriCorps. Um, which now enables nonprofits and other agencies across the com country um, to utilize a similar model to address um, various national priorities, be it education or healthcare or veterans and military families or, you know, a whole host of issues, um, kind of utilizing that service model to deliver results. Now, Nate, you mentioned earlier in the show that you guys are also involved in Voices for National Service. What is Voices for National Service? thing. Um, well, Voices for National Service, or for short, Voices, how we refer to it, uh, is an ad advocacy coalition of over 60 nonprofits and state service commissions seeking to expand service opportunities. Our mission um, is to spotlight the impact of national service with our nation's leaders and ensure that Americans of all ages uh, have the opportunity to serve. Um, the organization started a little over 12 years ago uh, when AmeriCorps faced devastating budget cuts, um, and even threats of elimination. Um, to this day, the collective voice of this group, the 60 nonprofits, and countless members uh, who were part of AmeriCorps, and the hundreds of thousands of, people, uh, hundreds of thousands 
of people that have been served and benefited from the service, um, they've really brought a powerful voice to the table in Washington, D.C., and that's what we serve to do. Um, a few ways that we go about that, um, whether it's here or in districts across the country, uh, one of our main goals is educating members of Congress uh, about the impact uh, AmeriCorps has on their communities. Um, another key part of our work is building a research base, such as a recent study we commissioned um, with economists at Columbia University that found that national service has a four-to-one return on investment in terms of higher earnings, increased output, and other community-wide benefits. So that's a huge piece of information for us. Um, what we do is we share this information with elected leaders, which helps them understand the value of this investment in service. And another big piece of what we do is um, raising the public awareness of these programs, um, not unlike what we're doing here today, uh, seeking out media opportunities, encouraging supporters to write letters to the editor uh, or op-eds, and in general, raising the public's understanding of the importance of these programs. So you mentioned before the coalition of organizations. What do some of those organizations that are involved in Voices for National Service sure. include? Um, some of them are large national programs that, that are household names, such as Teach for America, City Year, of course, um, Habitat for Humanity, uh, American Red Cross. All of these organizations um, uh, utilize AmeriCorps to drive their mission um, in a very cost-effective way. And so these are boots on the ground in local communities. Um, that are making an impact for these national organizations. Now, there's other smaller uh, AmeriCorps programs that have just as much impact um, that apply for grants from the national, uh, from the Corporation for National and Community Service, which is the federal agency that oversees AmeriCorps. Um, and they're on an equal footing in our mind to the importance of growing national service. So in 2009, uh, President Obama in uh, the Serve America Act, that was, yeah, that was the title, um, he, he set a goal of 200, I believe it was 250,000 AmeriCorps volunteers, is that correct? Or AmeriCorps members? Yeah. So By 2017, yeah. Okay. And in the last several years, there obviously uh, uh, there's been a lot of stress, uh, whether it's between the sequester or um, the debt ceiling and the shutdown last year. And mm -hmm. it hasn't quite reached that level. What is Voice's um, goal in um, making sure that this actually happens over the next four years? Because you do have some members of Congress who do say, well, you know, these programs are great, but shouldn't this just be volunteers? Why don't we just get more of our churches and, you know, our local United Ways and our Rotary Clubs? Why aren't they doing this instead of AmeriCorps members? Sure. Well, I'll, I'll respond to that first. And, um and the, the idea that AmeriCorps m members are much more than a, a regular volunteer. Uh, AmeriCorps members are full-time, um, partially stipended, or stipended volunteers that um, are engaging in their communities, helping nonprofits drive their mission, and are... Um, and in a lot of ways, they help to mobilize... Um what we refer to as community volunteers, your typical kind of one-off volunteers, which I think is what most people think of when they um, hear the word volunteer, you know, someone who goes maybe for a couple hours on a weekend or, um, you know, a day here or there um, to, to help out in their community, and that, that's extraordinarily valuable, um, as is um, Ameri as are AmeriCorps members, right? And so the two kind of go hand in hand, right? So part of what a lot of AmeriCorps members do um, at organizations like Habitat for Humanity, for example, 
is they are the constant um, organizers on the ground who then help to coordinate all these community volunteers who come out for, say, a, a spring break trip to, you know, rebuild um, in New Orleans or something like that. Um, and, and so both are necessary, but it is true, as Nate said, that the work that AmeriCorps members is different. It's, it's um, full-time. It's intensive work. It's a real commitment um, to work for an organization for at least a year. Um, and so in that sense, it, it's a different model um, than kind of church group volunteering. And, and thinking about some organizations that are doing this, is, is these are highly trained volunteers as well. Is they go through intensive uh, training, education, learning how to do the best they can at the job that they're given. So, um, and, and to get to your second point, your, the other part of your question is, is we, we have been um, in a position where we're, we were set um, with a large bipartisan margin um, passing the Serve America Act in 2009. Both Congress and the President passed the bill um, and to put us on track to 250,000 AmeriCorps members by 2017. Uh, and for the past few years now, we've been teetering back and forth around 80,000 uh, AmeriCorps members. And so that's far under the number that um, Congress and the President have promised us. So we really, one of our main goals and our priority as an organization is to hold our elected leaders to that promise. Um, and we really want to see growth to meet those numbers. And a part of our work has been um, the sharing why we think that um, there's we believe that this growth is necessary. And there's a whole lot of research that we've done in the past um, and, and that we put out. And one of those is that AmeriCorps positions are in such high demand. Um, for every AmeriCorps position out there, there are five applications for every available position. And for some programs, the applicant to acceptance ratio is even higher, with uh, 13 applicants applying for each wow. position. Wow. So annually, we're turning away hundreds of thousands of dedicated, energized, committed individuals just, who are just looking to improve their community and to serve their country. You're um, listening. Oh, sorry. Um, continue, Nate. Oh, okay. Um, we also know that uh, many young people are unemployed or, or even underemployed, and that service and volunteering can be a great pathway towards employment. Um, a recent study by the Corporation for National and Community Service found that if you're unemployed and you volunteer, you're actually 27% more likely to gain employment than hmm. uh, the peers that who do not volunteer. And, and in addition, for AmeriCorps, of course, you know, for there's a lot of students that have outstanding loan um, debt, and by doing AmeriCorps, you do get a uh, education loan award, um, and you can forbear your loans um, for that year that you're out doing uh, AmeriCorps. Yeah, so for sure, there are all these, you know, great um, reasons that kind of help to build the case um, for AmeriCorps and for national service, um, and, and that's a lot of what we do. We share that um, with elected officials, and but it's also important for us to really kind of show them the work that's happening on the ground in their communities, um, because a lot of people don't always understand um, that, you know, they might love City Year um, because it's helping out their schools. They might love Habitat for Humanity because who doesn't, right? Mm -hmm. But these are all great programs. Um, but a lot of times people don't necessarily understand the link to AmeriCorps. Um, and so it's, it's about making that clear for them so that they understand a vote against AmeriCorps in a lot of ways is um, kind of a ding to these programs as well.
Absolutely. You've been listening. Uh, this is WHW Binghamton. This is the Center for Civic Engagement Radio Show. We're speaking with Nate Trefizen and Mary Billington from City Year about uh, the impact of City Year as well as national service on our country. Uh, so in about, what is it, I think it's 15 or 16 days now, uh, we got an election coming up on November 4th. Um, and of course, in many states, it's been a very competitive election, uh, especially for the Senate. Um, so are there any candidates who are really prominently speaking about national service uh, throughout their campaigns? Well, yeah, certainly the countdown is on, and we're all very excited here for the upcoming election. Um, actually, a really interesting thing is a little over a month ago, well, as, as Mary mentioned before, we celebrated the 20th anniversary of AmeriCorps. And... To our delight, in fact, um, over 100 members of Congress uh, joined the, cel- the celebration in one way or another um, by joining mem- AmeriCorps members, by swearing them in in their states, um, sharing their support uh, in the media or over social media. And we had even had four consecutive presidents from uh, President George H.W. Bush uh, holding a swearing-in ceremony at his home in Kennebunkport, Maine, to President Obama and President Clinton hosting a, a ceremony here in Washington, D.C. at the White House. So, yes, definitely, members of Congress and elected officials are, are talking about this issue. And, and I think that voters should probably be thinking about AmeriCorps, too. Um, AmeriCorps members are making an impact in the areas of education, conservation, disaster recovery, um, and, and better, even veteran reintegration. Um, and uh, those are all things that we can agree are important for our country. So in the end, we, we really do hope to ensure that AmeriCorps continues to be an area um, where both sides of the aisle can come together, uh, which we have seen in the past, and propel our country forward. Uh, all righty, that's uh, great, Nate. Um, are there any specific, um, uh, any specific candidates nationwide who uh, have been talking about service in the course of their campaigns that are really featuring it prominently? Well, I definitely think that uh, service and civic engagement um, is an ongoing uh, thing that's talked about on almost every single campaign. Um, we have a few few examples of, of people that have been in the service field that are running for election right now, such as um, Michelle Nunn in Georgia. She's running for Senate. Uh, she formerly comes from the Points of Light Institute, uh, which is uh, partially funded by the Corporation for National, National Community Service. Um, and, and we really see that in the field and when voters come to talk about national service, whether it's our supporters or our, our sister organization supporters, um, candidates light up. They, they really do like to talk about this issue. This is an issue that on both sides of the aisle I think people can agree on. And we, we've seen that time and time again in, in every election. And it's an issue that, that benefits everybody, right, really, if you think about it. It's- it's bringing critical services to communities in need to help kind of strengthen their infrastructure. Um, and it's also providing important benefits, which you guys have spoken about, to those who step forward to serve, right? The, the um, education award is really helpful in making higher education more affordable, as well as the employment benefits and other things that come from engaging in, in service opportunities. Um, so it seems to me like a no-brainer. Absolutely, and I, I 100% agree uh, with both of you on uh, the impact that national service has um, between the 4 to 1 leverage ratio, as you were uh, speaking about earlier, just the impact that has on our communities. Um, so every show, uh, I end with a, a little question on uh, 
on what people think are their best kept secrets. And usually I do it for Binghamton. Uh, but since neither of you uh, go to Binghamton currently or uh, are from Binghamton originally, I'm going to expand it a little bit. I'm going to expand it, since both of you are from New York State, to New York State. So um, for both you, for both Nate and Mary, what do you think are the best kept secrets or a best kept secret of New York State? This is a funny question because no, Nate and I were talking about this beforehand as to whether it was um, broadly in New York State anything that was a best-kept secret. And I uh, responded by saying that it's definitely the Christmas lights in my mom's neighborhood in Brooklyn. Ooh. Um, what neighborhood? It's Diker Heights um, in South Brooklyn. And it, it might not even be the best-kept secret because it's pretty well publicized. <laughs> People from around the city kind of come and travel to um, drive down the street and crazy. It brings a lot of traffic to my neighborhood around Christmas, which I am not so happy about. But um, it's really astounding and just brings joy to you. So, um, and so what, what neighborhood was that again? Shaker Heights? Diker Heights. Oh, Diker Heights. D-Y-K-E-R, yeah. I'll have to keep that in mind. And how about you, Nate? Best kept secret in New York State? I have to say, as someone who really enjoys food, uh, the, the restaurant scene in Ithaca after graduating college, um, I got to spend a lot of time there and a lot of late hours working and just hoping and praying that some of my favorite restaurants were open. Um, so downtown Ithaca, by far, has the best restaurants of any city I've lived in. I don't know. Binghamton has some pretty good restaurants. Oh, uh, a little competition there. Oh, I don't know. Have you have either of you been to the Lost Dog Cafe before? I have, in fact. And what's it's, your, what's it's your... great. It's great. I know there. I don't know. I. I mean, I'm from Westchester, and I, I throw up that there are more good restaurants within 15 minutes of Binghamton University than there are within 15 minutes of me in Westchester. Um, I. I would 100 percent agree. So I'm just gonna throw down the Brooklyn card and say I wouldn't try pizza in either place. Oh, oh. I'll, okay. Listen, I'll give that to you 100 percent. That pizza and bagels. As soon as you go north of, what are we gonna say? Uh, of 287 that or maybe uh yeah. north of 84 that's maybe you want to avoid the pizza for us yeah, downstaters next, next time we're up in new york though i'm definitely we we're missing out on the bagel scene here in dc and that's something <laughs> uh, maybe we should talk to congress about <laughs> import some water uh down there <laughs> um well thanks so much guys for coming on to the show today uh nate trefison and mary billington with city year uh, down in D.C. Um, this has been the Center for Civic Engagement Radio Show on WHRW Binghamton 90.5 FM. Thanks for coming on. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Have a good night. Thanks, guys.